All right, well, good morning, everyone, and good morning especially to the kids. Great to be with you today. My name is Darren, and I'm going to be delivering the sermon today. I'm the pastor here, and I want to just mention a couple of things. The first is kids, uh, really glad to have you here. Uh, there is a couple of rules to be here. Who knows them, I wonder? Yes, young man. Be quiet and listen. That's right. So, And that's because God is the one speaking to you today, especially as we read the Scriptures. Uh, if you need to ask a question, you can whisper it to a parent, but we ask you to please do a good job listening. I'm going to ask you to do some drawings, uh, and if you do a good job after the service, you can receive a prize for your efforts. So... I'm going to read this passage, and this passage is a bit on the longer side, and I want to just mention briefly why I'm doing this. Uh, as I've thought about uh, what it is that we need as a people, uh, one of the answers that I keep coming back to is that we need to hear from God directly, uh, more so than we need to hear anyone's creativity, including my own. And so I'm taking this reading out of my time budget for you. Uh, and that's because I believe you need to know these stories. Uh, I'll tell you that as I prepared for this sermon, I learned a number of details that I had missed learning this story as a child, and so I hope that you do as well. And with that, would you listen now with open ears as I read from this, the book that we love. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest for their, from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle." Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid upon the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. 
So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, complete your work, your daily task, each day as when there were straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, and yet they say to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in, tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me, how then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Excellent job listening. Thank you so much. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord our God, we come to this time and we have sat under these many words 
uh, listening to the twists and turns uh, in this story, in this history. And Lord, I recognize that as we come here, as we hear these words, as we've uh, sung these songs, as we've confessed our sins, Lord, I recognize that there is no doubt that uh, in a room this size, we come from all kinds of different places. Some of us come in here uh, believing in you and having believed in you for a long time. Others come in here and we're not even sure why we're here. We're not sure what we think of you. We're not sure if you're real. We're not sure if these words are true, if they're historical, factual, and if they'll make any difference in the weightiest matters of our lives. Others of us come in here with great things happening in our lives and circumstances and families and jobs. And, uh, others of us come in here and we are in a season of uh, distress. Some of us uh, with much suffering, with depression, with anxiety. Uh, some of us with unemployment. Others of, of us with deep problems in our marriages and families and relationships with our relationship with children. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever place we happen to find ourselves in today, whether we come here with much faith or with many doubts, whether we come here with much joy or with many sorrows, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, we ultimately come here the same, an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear you, to know you, and to be changed by you. And I pray that you would show us how you have accomplished this work in the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. I want to especially welcome the kids who are with us today. We are continuing our sermon series in the first part of the book of Exodus. We're calling with the mighty hand, becoming reacquainted with the power of God. And I wonder, have any of you kids asked your parents for something recently? <laughs> yes, young lady. Huh? A phone. You're the only one here that that's true of. Maybe. Okay, what, any, anyone else? A younger, young man. Nothing. Very content soul over here. All right. Well, an iPad? What's that? Never mind. Oh, he, it's a private matter. Okay, well... Um, I want to tell you kids what I, I don't have parents right now that are on this earth, but I have been asking God for something. You want to guess what it is? You want to guess what I have been asking for? It's not a phone. It's not a private matter. I have been asking for you kids and for all of you here that you would have a fresh experience with God's power. I was praying that for you earlier that you would have a fresh experience with God's power. Now, here's the extra credit question for the kids, okay? Extra credit question for the kids. How is it that we experience God? What kinds of things do we do to experience God? Does anyone know? Maybe there's kids on this side of the room. What is, how is it that we relate to God, experience Him? What kinds of things do we do? Young men. Can you say it really loud? I've... Take communion. Excellent choice. That's right. So that's called the sacraments. So we experience God in the sacraments. What else do we do? Young man, we pray. Excellent. These are well-discipled kids. Means of grace going on here, if you happen to be trained in uh, church terms. 
That's right. So we pray, we take communion, we sing. All right. And then uh, I would also add that we experience relationships. So kids, what I want you to do is go ahead and draw yourself praying. Right. What does it look like when you pray? What kinds of things do you do? Do you lift your hands? Do you fold your hands? What is it that you do? So go ahead and do that. And friends, I'll tell you that uh, I have prayed for this for you, for, the, for kids and adults alike, that you would have a fresh encounter with God's power. And as I considered this request and I considered how it is that you experience God's power, one of the answers that we receive back from Scripture, and probably uh, the, the loudest answer, is summed up in the word faith. So if you are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, the entire chapter basically has this as its point. The people throughout the history, throughout the history of the people of God, have always experienced God's power in connection with and through faith. That's the entire point of this chapter. I invite you to read it actually today um, as a kind of a reference to this sermon. Over and over and over again, the message is loud and clear that if you want to truly know God, if you want to truly relate to him, if you want to experience more of his presence, what is essential is a deepening of your faith. And we're going to see that pretty loudly in this passage. I have, um, using this word hope to kind of break out this passage, because this passage recalls a people for whom this was not true, okay? This passage is very real, and I suspect that actually many of you will relate to this passage perhaps more than any other, because in this passage, the main point is recounting the story of God's people experiencing Him and then being profoundly disappointed in what He does. All right, so if you're here today and you say, you know what, I've prayed for things, I asked for that phone, <laughs> right? Got a Samsung. Um, I'm just kidding. But if, you, if you've been disappointed, if you have asked for things of God, and then you've been disappointed in his response, and it's okay to be honest with yourself here today. It's okay to be honest with me. I mean, I have been disappointed plenty of times in my life. In fact, one of the hardest seasons of my life, uh, this, there was a hymn called Be Still My Soul that talked about the day when there would be no more disappointment. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be honest about that. It's what we have in this passage. And disappointment, of course, is a response to hope that is crushed. Right? Disappointment is a response to hope that is crushed. And I'm going to break out the sermon under this heading of hope. I've got three points. The initial hope, the testing of hope, and the fulfillment of hope. Okay? So kids, what I want you to do next is and this is going to take a lot of imagination today, I would like you to draw a beautiful sunrise. Or, if you're familiar with what uh, Mr. Ryan said, a beautiful earth rise. Okay? I want you to draw a beautiful sunrise. So, this is what happens. Uh, this group of people, of whom the passage is about, people of Israel, had come to, to Egypt to be rescued from famine and had experienced profound favor because of this man, Joseph, right? So they were used to being a people of influence. 
They were used to uh, receiving good treatment. They received some of the best of the land of Egypt. They were used to being people of influence, of power. And that was true as long as Joseph was alive. But after Joseph died and there was new regimes that came in, they went from people being a people of power, people of influence, people that were treated well, to a people who were treated as property. Right? It's really essential to understand this passage, to understand this point. It's essential that we try really hard to get into the minds of the average man and woman in Egypt of the descents of Israel as they are going about their lives treated as property with no influence, with no power, going day to day wondering what's going to be their lot. They're under oppression for a long time. And finally, the elders of the people, be the leaders of the people, gather them together and they say, we've met this man, Moses. And Moses has told us that Yahweh has heard our prayers and he's going to answer us. Now, friends, I want you to not dismiss how difficult it was for these elders to say this. Okay, when you're a leader, right? When you're a leader, you have a finite amount of what we call influence or capital or political capital, right? You have a finite amount of that. You have to spend it very wisely, right? And these elders were so convinced by what Moses said that they were willing to spend all the capital they had and tell Israel, your suffering is coming to an end because Yahweh, the God of our fathers, has heard your prayer and he is going to rescue us from Egypt. And friends, their hope was so real and so strong that it says that they bowed their heads and worshipped. They believed. They were a people of initial faith. Okay. In response to what Moses said, it says that they began to worship. They had hope in them. Okay. That's why we're drawing the sunrise, because the sunrise, you know that the light is coming. You know the day is coming. You can see it arising. So that's the initial hope, but what about the testing of hope? And for this one, kids, I want you to draw a big and beautiful and very detailed clock, because I'm going to be on this point the longest. Okay, draw a big and beautiful and very detailed clock. More detailed, young man. Okay, three-dimensional, son of an artist. Okay. Um, so, I want you to imagine yourself as one of the elders of Israel, right? You've heard from Moses and Aaron, you've gone to your respective tribe, let's call it, and you have declared to them that Yahweh has heard their prayers, that deliverance is coming, that rescue is imminent. Moses and Aaron go in as commanded by God, they meet with Pharaoh, they have this meeting, and they said, Yahweh commands you to allow this people to go on a three-day journey into the wilderness for a festival. Okay? And Pharaoh responds to the demands of God Almighty with a sick and twisted escalation of his harsh treatment of them. You need to get into their minds to feel this, my friends, okay? Here you are, you're going about your life, you've gotten used to your circumstances. Yes, I don't have you know, the work that I want, I don't have the circumstances I want, but you know, I get up every day, I do what I'm told, and then I go to bed, and I'm not really beaten or anything like that. 
but then there's hope that God is going to rescue you. And so you begin to feel that hope. Moses and Aaron go in, right? And imagine you're one of these elders and you're sitting there wondering what's going to happen. You're on the edge of your seat. And the next day, you see the foreman of your people getting assaulted by the Egyptians. I say, you need to feel this, friends. You have to get into this state of mind. You're one of these elders. You put everything on the line. And you walk by and you see one of your brothers getting pounded on over and over and over and over and over again. Right? The foreman then decide that they are going to appeal to Pharaoh. So they go back to Pharaoh. And I don't know if you notice in the passage, but Moses is waiting outside this meeting. Right? Imagine you're Moses now. Right? You have met with the Lord. You've done as you've been told. It's not gotten better. In fact, it's gotten a lot worse. There's this meeting that's going on where the foremen are making their case, saying, you know, this is your fault that the brick production has slowed down. It's not our fault. We're doing everything we can, but we really can't perform the way you want us to. It's a very reasonable argument, these folks. Right? Moses and Aaron are outside waiting to hear what's happening. And they come out and they have absolutely no good news. Right? It's gotten a lot worse. Okay. That is where this people is. And friends, uh, the passage actually says in very uh, stark terms, uh, it says in verse 9 of chapter 6, it says, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, promising again God's deliverance. And it says this, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. You know, when the foremen come out, by the way, they look at Moses and they say, the Lord look on you and judge. You know what that's slang for, by the way? Right? In case you're not connecting the dots. These men look at Moses and they say, damn you, Moses. That's, that's exactly what they're saying. Would the Lord condemn you for what you have done to us? And friends, it's important that you understand that what the Scripture is recording for us in this account is something I think that is actually normal for the man, woman, or child who would decide to walk with Almighty God. And that is what I would call the testing of your faith. Right? The New Testament actually calls it this. In the book of James, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into trials. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And friends, I want to be completely honest with you. Kids, I want to be completely honest with you. Okay? If you believe in God, if you know Him, if you pray to Him, if you ask Him for things, right? He will test your faith over and over again in the Scriptures. Hebrews Chapter 11, you can see this all over the place. It is not actually normative in the Bible for someone to ask God of something and for God to just simply answer it, right? So for example, if you're experiencing things that you've prayed for, which I love when that happens. I mean, I absolutely, I love it when that happens. I've prayed with you, many of you and we've seen God give exactly what we've asked for and sometimes 
in an amazingly short schedule. I love it, right? When you get that job or when the girl says yes, <laughs> right? Uh, when the doctor calls you and says, you know, you're all clear. It's all good, right? That's wonderful. I rejoice so much. But I want to tell you, that is not faith. That's fulfillment, right? It takes no faith whatsoever to rejoice when you actually have the thing that you've been praying for. It takes zero faith, right? And that's not a bad thing. But what I'm pointing out is that God has a purpose, and that purpose is bound up in the deepening of your faith. How does he do it? Answer, through testing. How he does it, my friends. Right? And I just want to let you in on a, on a little secret here, which is that if you're considering Christianity, you're considering the claims of the Bible, you're considering uh, the fact that God may be real, that the resurrection of Jesus is true, that uh, the Bible explains how life is and it, it makes sense, and you're saying, you know what, I think I'm there. I'm almost there. I, I think this is real. I think this is who I am. I want to be in on this. I will tell you that if you decide to follow the, Jesus Christ, if you decide to put your faith in Him, He will test your faith. And it's interesting, in the, probably the most difficult season of church planting, and Chrissy has granted me permission, I swear, to tell this story, um, in the most difficult season of church planting, um, we had just gotten started. We had a surprise baby and um, all sorts of things going on. And I remember that Chrissy was having a really hard season. And I was learning to pray for her, okay? I was, I was actually doing this right for once in my life. I was good at praying for her. And I was good at telling her I was praying for her. And so she'd be having an absolutely miserable day. And I'd say, honey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. She's like, you know, that's why it was especially bad. <laughs> that's what she would say to me. She'd say, in fact, one time she just bluntly, she said, would you please stop? Because every time you pray for me, it gets worse. It gets harder. Okay, what was going on? Answer, God was testing her faith and mine. Right? That's what he was doing. And she would say that today, too. God was testing her faith, and he was testing mine. And friends, that is the way it works. You see, God places a very premium value on faith. How do we know that? We turn to Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. That God rejoices. He enjoys when your faith is deepened. The only way it's deepened is by the experiencing, a waiting for him, a perseverance in trust in him when you believe that your burdens are over and instead you get assaulted by the Egyptian. It's the only way it happens, friends. I have no other way to, to, to be upfront with you about this. But if you are going to experience his power, if you're going to know his mighty hand, right? the only way that you will do that is when God develops in you the kind of faith that is able to trust him. Even when you pray and you know, your husband prays and you're just like, stop! <laughs> you know, I know you're a pastor, but pretend you're not. <laughs> you know, that's how it works, friends. That's what God is up to. He is up to teaching you to trust him when you cannot see 
where his deliverance is coming from. And friends, I want to tell you that just as I rejoice so deeply when we have answers to prayer, in fact, I want to share with you that we're doing something new as a session, as a board of elders, that we're asking you for prayer requests that we can pray for at our meeting, and we got some great requests. And one of the favorite parts of this experience is that we went to pray for these requests at our meeting, and about half of them had already been provided for by the Lord before our meeting. I think it was about 50%, and that was really cool. So uh, I love it when that happens. I really enjoy it when that happens. And in the same way, what breaks my heart so deeply is when I watch you join me in prayer for something. Like these people, the initial answer seems to go in the opposite direction of what you're asking for, and then you give up. Happens all the time right? All the time. And what I'm pleading with you this morning is to understand that the ways of God, the way that he works, is precisely in your disappointment. That's where he works. That's how he works. That's the way it goes. And that's what these people would eventually learn. And so I want to turn lastly to the fulfillment of hope. Okay? And kids, what I want you to draw for this one, how's your three-dimensional clock, Liam? Beautiful. Your mom would be proud. She is proud. Look at her. Yours is very nice. All right, what I want you to do now... Yes, we should put yours up on the screen. Um, What I'd like you to do now, kids, is draw a big cross, okay? Draw a big cross, and then right next to it, you might need help if you don't have a spell, right next to it, write a big word, the word yes, okay? Big cross, Next to it, big word, yes. So what's happening, of course, in the story here is that God is intentional about delaying his answer to the people of Israel, okay? That's what we'll find out as we, as we read along. We even see it in his uh, remarks to Moses, right? Moses goes back, and can you hear the despair in his complaint where he says, you have not delivered us at all, not even a little bit, God, In fact, it's worse. And God says, I will show you what I will do to Pharaoh because he will not simply allow you to leave, but he will send you out with a mighty hand. In another passage uh, in the letter, it says that you will plunder the Egyptians. You will go out well supplied. You will go out well stocked. And of course, we'll furthermore learn that God will send them out in a way that will cause these events to be talked about even to this day. You see, if Pharaoh had simply let them go, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. We'd be just oh, moving on. That was nice. Glad they, glad they worked that out. But instead, God is very deliberate here. Right? He is very deliberate in them not receiving this answer the first time because he has other plans in mind, friends. He has plans for this people. He has plans for his own name. And he has plans for Pharaoh, by the way. Right? You see, Pharaoh would not get what he justly deserved. Right? God, see, it's, it, this, there's this whole discussion of God hardens his heart, Pharaoh hardens his heart, very mysterious, and we'll let Sam talk about that sometime. Um, but one thing I think is essential to understanding in that whole discussion is that God is always fair. Okay? God is always fair. Right? And I believe that God knew the depth of the corruption of Pharaoh's heart 
And so he intentionally lets that depth of corruption be on full display so that Pharaoh gets what is just. Right? He gets what is just as he over and over and over again says no to God. Okay, So his people will leave. They will leave with abundance. His name will go out through the whole earth, including to this day, as demonstrated by our time together in here. But there's something more than that that I want to close with, friends. You see, one of, the, one of the keys to the faith that I've spoken about, one of the ways that you can get that in your life is by understanding the long-term goal that God has for his people back then and that he has for you. You see, in verse 9 of chapter 6, it talks about the people of Israel. They could not listen because of their broken spirit. Right? If you're a parent here today, or even if you're not a parent, you might read that and you say, he went too far, right? Sometimes we teach our kids lessons, but when their spirits are broken, we stop, right? God went too far, we might say. But friends, I believe that even this language here is a foreshadow to what God's Son, Jesus Christ, would experience, where not just his spirit would be crushed, but his own body, his soul as well. You see, when God makes decisions that we cannot understand, such is the case for many of you, right? the way to the kind of faith that I'm talking about only can come as you see the Lord Jesus Christ, God's most prized person in the entire universe, willfully coming to earth and actually uses this language in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and it says that it was the will of the Lord to crush him, that he would be crushed, so that all the promises in Christ would be yes, in Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 1, excuse me. And kids, that's why I had you write this. Chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, for all the promises of God in Christ are yes. That as we hear of the Lord Jesus coming, as we hear of His crushing, as we read of His shedding of blood, as we read of His being assaulted, similar to this story, what you need to hear in that is God looking upon you and your circumstances and your prayers and Him saying, yes, but in my time. In my time. And so friends, wherever you are, I would like to plead with you to consider... For, for whomever this might be true, for those of you who have stopped praying about something, for those of you who have turned cynical, for those of you who have become hardened as you have had your own disappointment, would you have a renewed hope today? Would you have a renewed desire for this kind of faith today? Because it is through this kind of faith that you will experience his mighty hand. And friends, as we do that as a community, right? And Laura stole my thunder about prayer meeting. I was going to say the exact same thing, that prayer meeting want you there because you will experience his power. Your kids will experience his power as they ask for things and watch God deliver them, right? As we experience that as community, I believe, I hope, I trust that our beloved town and community will as well. Let's pray that that happens.